millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome back to Forma, the audio companion to FormaJournal.com and a podcast that contemplates the intersection of classical thought and contemporary culture. I'm David Kern. Today's guest is Dorian Stuber. He is an associate professor of English at Hendricks College in Conway, Arkansas, where he teaches Holocaust literature and 20th century British literature. He's the editor of Critical Insights Holocaust Literature, which is from Salem Press in 2016, and is a book designed to introduce students, their teachers, and others interested readers to the topic. He has published reviews and review essays in several online publications, including Open Letters Monthly, Numerosync, and Quarterly Conversation. He blogs about books at Iger, Monsch, Jungfrau, at WordPress.com. He grew up in Canada, which is where he first fell in love with mysteries. And mysteries, or crime fiction, is the topic for today's episode. Dorian and I have chatted with a number of other people online about our mutual love of crime fiction, and he quickly uh, proved to be someone who both knew a lot about crime fiction and um, had read a lot of crime fiction. So I figured while we were celebrating uh, mystery fiction on uh, Forma this week, I would ask him to come on the podcast and chat with me for a few minutes. So we had a a brief conversation over the phone about um, our mutual love of crime fiction, where that came from, as well as some people that are worth checking out that you may not yet have heard of. Before I get you over to that interview, though, I just want to remind you that we have lots of good content over at Forma. In addition to the Russell Kirk celebration that we had uh, uh, last week and the, and the week before that, we have lots of great content uh, this week. Heidi White wrote about Agatha Christie's um, views of justice through the character of Hercule Poirot. And John Wilson, the former editor of Books and Culture, wrote about his favorite crime fiction of the last hundred years. If you like this kind of content, we would appreciate it if you would subscribe, certainly. You can subscribe to our quarterly journal for $39 for the year or $4 a month. So you can go over to formerjournal.com, check out that content, and if you are so inclined, click that subscribe button to uh, to do so. This is the time of gift giving. We're getting into the Christmas and, and holiday season. So we do have gift subscriptions if you are interested in that. If you have a friend or a family member or a colleague or a person who loves uh, great literature and, um, and who would love to contemplate that intersection between classical thought and contemporary culture, we would love to be part of making that person's holiday that much better. All right, with that, let me get you over to my conversation with uh, Dorian Stuber about crime fiction. Enjoy. So where did your love of uh, crime fiction stem from? Where that, where that, where that uh, derive from? Um, I think maybe it comes from growing up in Canada, which is so closely associated with the UK, and at least especially it was, in the seventies and eighties. Right. I think this is not quite true anymore. Um, and to the same degree that it was, but, um, and so, you know, like all the librarians that I remember from my childhood were like Scottish and and stuff. And so, um, uh, you know, that kind of, that tradition, the Agatha Christie golden era kind of Dorothy Sayers stuff was just around a lot. Like, and I, I, so I remember discovering Agatha Christie in my junior high school library where there were like, 
you know, all of her books, I think. So, and I, I'm not sure that would be true for middle school today necessarily, but um, these it, texts yeah. were just kind of, these texts were just kind of around, you know, and, and I remember like bookstores always having really large mysteries sections. And again, I think maybe they're called, you know, we call crime fiction now or something, but mysteries was really the, the term that I remember. And so it wasn't really like a family love or something like that because um, although my dad is a big reader, he's never been really a big reader of that kind of fiction. So it's, it's something that, that I came to myself, I guess, which is also maybe part of the appeal. Right. Um, yeah. but, and through these kinds of like inspirations that were, you know, my parents were, um, they immigrated to Canada from Switzerland. So I was the first generation born in Canada and I was kind of always looking for ways to kind of like be a part of that place. I was, you know, that classic dilemma of the, the oldest child of the immigrant families, you're kind of the guide for the family in a way. And so you're in this position of like trying to have to make your way in this new place, but it is your place, but it's not your family's place in the same way. And so I think then like these people, like these librarians and stuff were important to me in, in kind of like finding ways where I could figure out an identity for myself. And so I think latching onto that is, was all part of that. And of course the fact that like, especially when you're like, I don't know, 13 or something like an Agatha Christie is like, a great kind of adult book, right? That's like true. it's totally yeah. manageable. It's manageable, you know, it's suspenseful, it's exciting, but, and it's also, but it's not a kid's book. And again, this was a time when YA was not really the kind of, the, totally not the thing that it is now. So <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. that might've been part of the appeal as well, I think. Yeah. Carving out that independence. Where did you grow up in Canada? Calgary, Alberta, okay. Western Canada. Yeah. I was, I was born just outside of Toronto. Oh, right. Okay. So my yeah. Mom, I lived in Toronto for a while. I... Yeah. My mom's an Ontario, Ontario, Ontarian. Ontario, Ontario, Ontario. person from Ontario. I don't even know what we yeah. say. Yeah. <laughs> so you read, you read Christy, um, uh, pretty, when you were in your middle school, you said, when did you discover? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you this. What was your, then and now, what was your favorite Christy novel? And has that changed? Oh, wow. Um, you know, I haven't reread Christie at all since. And it's, it's actually really okay. weird. Like I, I've thought about this recently in the last couple of years. Like, I feel like there's more kind of critical attention to her, you know, and, and for a long time, then I kind of, I went away from crime fiction, you know, and I was sort of then associated that with like, with my childhood and I was going to be serious about literature rap? and I, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like because I, you know, I went to graduate school, and and I was like, that's not who I'm going to be. But then it was when I was in graduate school that I was like, I, I rediscovered it, and partly like through happenstance, the the um, my girlfriend at the time's mother gave me a, 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 a Reginald Hill novel as a gift, okay, which I was like, I was like, okay, sure, I'll guess, I'll why not, I'll give this a try, and I was like, this is amazing, and I totally remembered like, <laughs> oh yeah, I love these books, and so I yeah. started and graduate school is a time of great like anxiety, right? Cause you have a, a huge project to do with like a very distant deadline. And that's not a good <laughs> recipe, at least for me, for, for being very productive. So but you're not. feeling really stressed, stressed all the time and you're, you know, inadequate and like a fraud and, and the whole system is designed to make you feel inadequate. And so the, <laughs> the crime fiction was a wonderful, wonderful way for me to be like, I'm escaping that in some sense. Yeah. And so I kind of read, I, and it was, so, and I was able to kind of get past that, that my college self had had that sort of lowbrow idea, you know? Yeah. Um, any rate, I think that, for a long time, I guess I still associated Christie as being maybe not as sophisticated and, but that surely is not true. And I think that 
I, what I need to do is revisit them and, and, and get a real sense of that. Um, so I don't even know if I could tell you what my favorite Christie was as a kid. It was cause they sort of were all like, I mean, maybe something like Merger of Roger Ackroyd. It's so, so classic, but like yeah. that left an impression, but they kind of, it was more the sort of like the atmosphere of Agatha Christiness, if that makes sense. Yeah. That's really yeah. stuck with me as opposed to any individual title. And indeed, I really think that way about crime fiction in general. Like I'm pretty lousy at remembering plots. Like I was thinking about this in my drive-in this morning. I was like, okay, what, what crime fiction do I like anyways? I was like, well, ton of French. I love ton of French. I just devoured her new book like two weeks ago. And then I was like, what actually happened at the end of that book? Like <laughs> I was having a yeah. real struggle remembering like, and yet I, there, the qualities of ton of French's writing are so vivid for me. And it's kind of a certain sort of atmosphere that, that that particular crime writers have that I guess that I really hold on to above and beyond the end, even though the plots are what kind of drive my, you know, I, I devour that aspect of it that keeps the pages turning, but it's not what sticks with me. Do you, does that do make think, sense? Yeah. Do you think that that's what kind of sets apart that, that, that sense of atmosphere, like well-defined, well-drawn, um, really, uh, an atmosphere that we can sort of sensory experience through our senses, that that's what sets apart sort of just low quality genre fiction. And, and then, as, you know, something a little bit closer to highbrow genre fiction, if I can use that. Term. Yeah. You're right. Right. I mean, it's always kind of like, it's always pretty sketchy to me to even, I mean, a genre fiction is a useful term to use in the sense that like, I think there are different genres and they have their own ways of being as it were, they have their own kind of rules and stuff. And, mm-hmm. and the play with that is really instructive. And so, but I think the only thing I, I bridle at a little is this idea that like, say literary fiction is not a genre fiction. Like it's, sure. it's genre sure. fiction too. It just doesn't, didn't get tagged with that, with that particular, uh, you, you know, title as it were. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I, I, what I, I kind of think that like, um, Crime fiction is like like where the best uh, realist writing is happening now, actually, in a way. Um, I, the, the, and so like atmosphere, location in particular, I mean, one thing I think many people who like crime fiction like, they're like the sort of like, you can travel somewhere else. Like, so, you know, now yeah. I know something about Iceland or, you know, because I've read Indridison, or, right? Or, or yeah. Sigurd's Dottir or something like that. Um, and there's that aspect of it that I think is, is appealing. I guess I was thinking about this for me. I think I'm really interested in the way crime fiction gives us through the figure of the detective or the police, uh, person, like kind of sort of tension between like the sort of freedom they have for everyday responsibility, right? Like their, their, their job is not very well defined. Right. And the parameters (laughs) of their job is not well defined. Yeah. Which, Incidentally, I think is one reason a lot of academics like crime fiction because academic life is like this too. Like, like you're kind of never, it's never clear when you can stop working because you're always have, you know, like you're yeah, always, there's always project you're working on or, or, yeah. And so there's never, and you're always working on, or typically you're working on things that you actually also enjoy. So you're kind of like your private life, your personal life and your work life are kind of getting blurred. And, and the detective is often doing something like that too, right? Like they're, mm-hmm. they're getting all consumed by this, by this task. And, um, and it's bleeding over into their personal lives and famously detectives have really lousy personal lives. Right. So, so on the one hand they have a lot of freedom and it's like, so it's kind of like, there's not the constraint, but on the other hand, I mean, they're really defined by work. And so it's a place where we really see work happening in literature, which I think is, is like interesting to us. Um, 
well, and I work that they love, right? Yeah, which is yeah, like, right, which right, is yeah. a lot, something that a lot of people like don't get to do today. Like capitalism is like, you know, isn't interested in people doing work that they love necessarily. And so, so I think that, that we can kind of envy these figures in, in a certain sense as well. Sorry, you were going to say you're at say something else. Well, I was, I was just going to say, I want to go back to, you were talking about how you, I think, I think this, I think this is related to what you're, what you're talking about. You were, um, you rediscovered your love of crime fiction when you were in graduate school. Um, and so you felt like mm-hmm. you were, you were going to start thinking seriously about literature was what you said. Did you find that that then became a pursuit when you were thinking about crime fiction? Were you in search of serious, like uh, in search of crime fiction that you could consider serious literature or was it sort of uh, uh, a freeing thing for you where you didn't have to think about right, it? Right, right, right. Good. Yeah. Interesting. I think, I think it's the latter more the sort of kind of freeing in a way. Um, although I guess one thing that like, graduate school either teaches you or indoctrinates you to, depending on how you want to look at it is <laughs> like to, to, to look at everything with the kind of critical eye as it were. And so, I mean, so I don't know, like the idea of escapism itself is kind of like, I don't know if it's been ruined or, or if it's, or if, it, or if that's the way to put it or what, but like, yeah. so I've all, I've deliberately not, I've deliberately chosen not to teach about crime fiction, which I, I could do if I wanted to. Um, and I, I have colleagues who, who I respect, like Rowan Mason at Dalhousie, and who teaches a wonderful crime fiction class. And on her blog, she writes a lot about her teaching of it. And anyone who's interested should check it out. Her blog's called Novel Readings. Um, hmm. But I, I decided I, I didn't want to, to do that. It was partly I wanted to kind of keep that for me, right? Um, but I guess I do still sort of like think about it a little bit more in a way, like as I was just suggesting with my little pet theory here about the, the work stuff. Um, so right, yeah. I guess the crime, fi- the crime fiction I like best is the one is the ones that like, maybe I feel like they're offering me a little bit more to, to think with, but, but, um, but I also like that I don't have to, I don't have to have an idea about them. Mm. I can also just kind of, I can just enjoy them too. It seems like, I mean, we could get into some, some pretty interesting conversation about the nature of literary scholarship that it would, that, that when we read literature, somehow it's forcing us to feel like we always have to have an idea about something as opposed to like literary scholarship being something more about, you know, wallowing. (laughs) Right. Right. Well, and I sure want, I would want to split the difference in the sense that like, like we, maybe we don't have to have an idea of something, but we get to have an idea about something like it sure. could perhaps be kind of a joyful thing. Like, right. Like, wow. Exciting. You know? Yeah. 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 Because you love the thing that, that it leads to the thought leads yeah. to you. Why you want yeah. to be into expressing the things you're thinking. Yeah. Right. Okay. Let's right. talk, let's talk about some specific authors. You just mentioned, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, who was it? You just mentioned Fre- uh, a ton of French. Ton of French. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, you said that there's an atmosphere there as well. Are most of the authors that you love, the crime fiction authors that you love, is it the, is it that atmosphere that they're creating? Cause you said you don't remember the plots. Like I was thinking about mm-hmm. that. I, I recently, not even that long ago, I read the moving target, the Ross McDonald novel, the first of the Lou Archer one. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm new to Ross McDonald and I love that book. And I don't really remember a lot about what happened, but I remember right. a lot of the atmosphere and I remember the character. Um, yeah. That the way you feel about almost uh, the majority of these books that you love. Yeah, most of them. Occasionally, there's some I remember specific plot twists. Speaking of McDonald, there's a the Galton case. I, I remember the the thing that it turns on partly because it's, it's it has to do with Canada, so it's kind of funny to me. But um, 
but uh, but in general, like 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 yeah, no, I, I don't remember the the specifics and uh, as much about like the who did it or whatever. But and I'm actually fairly terrible at guessing, you know, like who it's going to be. Um, but uh, yeah, this, that kind of that what you're calling atmosphere is much stronger to me. Like in Tana French, for example, I think um, her books are really interestingly about like. Uh, the possibility of like friendship, you know, like there's almost no like romantic relationships in, in her books at all. Um, instead we have, especially these, these, these detectives kind of having to work together and how fraught that often is, but how wonderful that can be to work with someone and like, like, like work as a team or kind of like bounce ideas off each other. And so I think that's pretty interesting. And, and so, so and, and that a all romantic without a romantic tension, Right. It's weird, right? Like it's, a, it's, it's quite unusual. Um, or, or the books of Josephine Tay, I think are, are, are kind of, who's like a golden age kind of English crime writer. I think she's really wonderful, but they're also kind of like, um, I don't know the, 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 uh, intricacies of the plot are kind of secondary there as, as well. So, um, so sometimes it's kind of like those sort of uh, something thematic, like the friendship thing or, or the kind of atmosphere of a certain kind of place. I really like the brother Cadfield mysteries, mm. uh, the, uh, by Ellis Peters from the seventies and eighties, the set I get, I think in the 12th century in Shrewsbury, um, the monk is a, is the detective figure. Um, and this, her depiction of that, the, the closed world of the cloister and how it's always getting impinged upon by, you know, a, the, the, like ordinary secular life, typically in the form of some kind of crime is really interesting to me. Um, so those, those things stick with me. Like, although I could totally not tell you like who did it in the first seven or eight of those Ellis Peters books that I've read, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. Um, Do you, is there anybody that you've read recently that's um, surprised you? And that doesn't necessarily have to mean that it's somebody that's a new writer, but just somebody who you read for the first time that maybe you hadn't heard about or, um, just didn't expect mm-hmm. to be as high quality as he or she was. Right. Right. Um, this was certainly not like, won't be news to lots of people, but new to me was Dorothy B. Hughes. Um, the New York review of books classics has reissued a couple of her books in the last few years. They're from the, uh, fifties and sixties. Um, and then I read another track down another one that was from the forties. Um, and it's not that I didn't expect her to be good, but I just like, wasn't, I didn't really know much about her and they really blew me away, especially uh, her last book, uh, the expendable man, um, or unexpendable man, maybe I can't remember. Um, which unfortunately it's, it's got this kind of amazing sort of revelation that happens about 30 or 40 pages in that. Like, I guess I really can't talk about or ruin things, but it just <laughs> changes how you are, are understanding everything that you've been reading. So she's very good with, with narrators. Um, and not even unreliable narrators, but just kind of narrative point of view and using it in surprising ways. Um, and so I've been, I was really like, like, wow, she's fantastic. In a Lonely Place is another one, one of those ones, New York Review books uh, released, which was a film uh, with, um, now I'm forgetting his name. Okay. <laughs> a famous actor in the, in the fifties. Um, so which some people might know from the film, but I gather, I don't know. I haven't seen it. That the, the, the novel is actually quite different. Anyway, she is really terrific and, and kind of been a, like this year, a big discovery for me. Let's talk about a couple of, uh, the classics. Um, Peter mm-hmm. James, where do you, yeah. stand with Peter James, uh, not a huge fan actually. Um, I find him very fussy. I, 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 like, I just, I, I like that you're, 
kind of breaking the mold here because so many people love like those Daglish books. Yeah, I think he's really boring. I, I can't finish them. I, 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 I do find them in general. I, I find the bloat in crime fiction from sort of like maybe the 90s on like ridiculous. Like, like they're all like 500 pages now. And like if you read one from the 70s, like 200 pages, like, yeah, yeah. which I'm like, that's how long it really probably ought to be. But, but um, I do find them. Okay, here's, I'm just gonna be crazily petty, but it sticks with me all the time with T.T. <laughs> James. Like, she just overuses the word fawn. <laughs> Everyone is wearing fawn colored clothing. Like, I'm just like, it's beige for crying out loud. Uh, I'm, I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna read P.T. James the same now that you said that. Yeah, sorry about that. I, <laughs> I don't know. Lots of people I respect are like, she's awesome. And I, yeah. I did like An Unsuitable Job for a Woman, which is one of the two Cordelia Gray mysteries she wrote um, about this female detective, which was a pretty early from the I think early 70s I believe and so fairly early kind of in terms of thinking about a, a, a female detective and I thought that was actually pretty interesting but yeah not 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 my favorites what's the uh who who would you say is the the who are the greatest um contemporary crime writers from the UK or or the are just even you know further even more internationally <laughs> Sure, sure. Well, I, I've been talking about Tana French a lot, but I got to say her name again. I mean, she's Irish, so not quite UK, but she's, uh, I think she's just really kind of a genius. A friend of mine was saying the other day that like, she's getting so famous, she doesn't need to be edited anymore, which I think is possibly maybe true. And that's not so great, but, <laughs> but in general, yeah. her books are long, but they, but they, they earn their longness, which I don't always find with contemporary crime fiction. And so, uh, and it just, her, uh, she's got a really, intriguing pro style. It's always different. She always has a different uh, first person narrator. Anyone who likes Ishiguru, for example, and the, his kind of work with narrators, mm. like I think will love, will love Tana French. Um, so I, I think she's fantastic. Um, I really love um, both uh, Arnold or Indridesen from Iceland and Henning Mankel from Sweden. Um, I think those are especially the kind of middle Mankel had this series with um, Volander, the detective, they were made into some TV shows. Kenneth Brown had played him in a British remake of them. Um, uh, the middle set of those, the Volander series, are some of the most, just for pure suspense, are like hard to top. Like, just like, I will stay up all night reading it kind of stuff, which is, you know, I think that's a nice feeling to have once in a while. Um, yeah. And so uh, so I think these are great. And the other thing about the Monkles I really like are, are you often get a good sense of the of the police unit as a team like it's not just the rogue you know um yeah rogue right. detective or, or or the pi or whatever um there's actually this kind of the sense of yeah, the, the, the unit, you know yes exactly right yeah. um so that's that's and i think that's interesting and the the ingredients are interesting to me because especially uh earlier on the books were so different from each other. It wasn't always even clear, like in what way are they crime novels? Like, so, I mean, they're, they're, they're not just like always uh, someone dies and we're going to find out who did it. Um, and plus I have a fascination with Iceland. And so they're very evocative of that, that landscape and, and stuff. So I think those are, are um, some names I'm sure after this, as soon as I we end this call, I'm going to be like, Oh, but I forgot to name <laughs> all the other people who I really care about. But <laughs> yeah, um, if where would you tell people if people have sort of had an not an aversion or for some reason they've mm, yeah maybe they don't maybe they just never got into it or they just were always told that 
you know, it's just cheap lit or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. What would you mm-hmm. say start? When you're young, obviously, you know, Agatha Christie for a lot of people is sort of the gateway drug for people who love right. it. Um, right. But maybe for people who are as adults and they're like, hey, I, okay, I'm interested. Like, where should, where should you, where would you say they should start? Just start anywhere or is there someone that's perfect for starting? Mm, good question. Good question. I think start anywhere. Honestly, I, I would say start with changing your, try to change your mindset in the sense of like, like, I don't know, uh, put, try to bracket your preconceptions for a bit and just dive into it and see what you think. Um, um, I remember a book that when I was, was in graduate school that I read that really struck me and I, and I guess kind of set this flame burning, as it were, um, was one of Val McDermott's first books. She's a Scottish writer. I think it's called A Place of Execution. Um, it's very suspenseful and it's really intriguing about using two different timelines, which a lot of crime fiction does, um, you know, something in the past that's reverberating into the present. Um, uh, but that, that is, I think a really terrific book. If you are maybe like coming at this from a different kind of angle, if you're interested maybe in like romance or in Gothic fiction, then I would say, uh, Daphne du Maurier is a really like fantastic writer and a kind of interesting cause she's not, it's not really crime fiction. Right. But if you read right. like my cousin Rachel or something or Rebecca, like they're kind of, you know, analogous or parallels in a way. And so like that could be an entry, I guess, you know, or for, for a person who's sort of more no nonsense or something or fat, fancy themselves that way, that maybe something like Hammett would be the way to go. I don't know. Um, yeah, maybe Chandler or something. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. If you want the hard boiled sort of type of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you, um, have you, have your views on, I mean, we talked about this a little bit, but have your views on what, what makes a, a crime novel or mystery novel, how, whichever word we could talk, we didn't really spend any time defining that we could, um, but have your views on what makes a book like that last or kind of become part of the I don't know, subgenre canon mm. or something like mm-hmm. have your mm-hmm. views on what makes something like that linger or last changed? That was kind of a long winded way of asking the a very simple question. <laughs> but, mm. Um, no, it's a good one. Um, no, I think that partly my response is that like, there's, it's, this is in the, I would answer the same way I would in terms of any other kind of genre, including so-called literary fiction, like the sense that there's a lot of like contingent, historical reasons why some things uh like become famous or canonical and others don't and so and it's not necessarily sure. about like just your quality you know some kind of imagined idea of pure quality or something like this and so like sure, i'm thinking right. about those yeah. library those library of america volumes that uh sarah weinman edited and put out in the last couple of years of these like uh sort of i forget it's called something like forgotten female crime writers from the 40s and 50s or something and uh, there's like some amazing stuff in there dorothy b hughes who i mentioned earlier is, is she has a novel in that and so like there's lots of things that are gonna that are that can be rediscovered and that it's not because they're not good enough to be canonical so my sense of, of that that idea of the, of how the canon works that is true irrespective of what what kind of genre i'm thinking about um sure i don't know but i feel like you're also asking me a question about like what stay what what lasts for me like are you also asking about like my personal canon kind of yeah i well? mean like you know maybe yeah. 10 years ago you thought you know this is the kind mm-hmm. of this is why mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you're gonna read a book and you're like this book is definitely gonna be a book i'm gonna come back to in 10 years or everyone's gonna be talking about it. it's gonna be you know it's gonna be the the 
the big sleep or something like that of our generation. But right. Then maybe you right. never thought about it again. So is it just kind of chance or you can't account for those sorts of things? Or is there something that you've discovered to be true or consistent among these books that do tend to last? Hmm. What a good question. I don't know. I, I don't think so. Um, I guess what the books that last for me personally, and again, this is kind of different maybe from the sense of like, Oh, this is going to be the new big sleep or something like that. I kind of do think Tana French is going to be someone who's like, in the future, people will be like, wow, you know, you were alive when those books were coming out, like, <laughs> like that kind of thing, you know, like, yeah, I think, yeah. I do You're think reading them like, every time you, first day, you, you had the copy the day that it came out. He totally. Yeah. yeah. So like, I'm like on the docks waiting to find out what happened to little Nell. So, yeah. So mm-hmm. I think that, that I think she is kind of a writer like that. So okay. just yeah. for me personally, I think that, that the, the books that are going to stay with me are ones where I feel like mm, there's just sort of something to think about here kind of, I guess. Um, but yeah, but, but that, in that more, that other kind of more abstract sense of like, what's going to be kind of canonical crime fiction. Yeah. I don't know. Good question. What, uh, like, I'm not sure. Like, like, um, Ian Rankin right now is really, you know, I think he's pretty good. The Rebus series sells a ton. Lots of people like it. I'm not really sure that in a hundred years, anyone will read those. Um, so it's, Ah, such a mugs game. Hard to know what will, <laughs> I guess what will last. I guess someone's going to have to do a real study of like, what, is there something common? Is there some common ground? Right. Like, you know, Hammett and Chandler all the way up through, right. you know, say the 1970s. Because right. now we've had, what, 45 years to, to look at everything through, say, Ross McDonald. So... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there's, there's and I guess something one... common though. Well, maybe, maybe one, maybe in a hundred years, people won't, won't be reading Hammett. I don't know. I mean, true. Um, true. That's kind of hard, hard for me to imagine right now, right? Because <laughs> um, I you think he's pretty awesome, but I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's guaranteed. So it's true. Not, I guess nothing's guaranteed, right? In the world, in the yeah. world of the arts, things change, and then maybe well, and, and also, back. and also, I think maybe like you know, maybe uh, people will be like, well, uh, we just don't need a, a nut to be reading another like white guy. <laughs> right? I mean, so, you, you know, I mean, like, uh, not that the, I mean, I don't know. I just think that like people's perspectives are going to change on stuff. And so like, it's impossible for us, I think, to imagine what the future is really going to, going to latch onto. True. True. Well, Hey, I know you got to teach. Um, so I'm going to let you go. Uh, we should probably, we should do a part two sometime or something where we can really get into uh, the difference. What we mean, when that would be great. Crime fiction. What's the difference between mystery fiction and crime fiction? And is there a difference? That yes. Would, yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a great question. question. Yeah. I would love to do that. Well, thank you so much for inviting me to do this for all these really intelligent questions. I don't think I was particularly articulate in responding to them, but I sure had great. fun doing it. So. We got, and thank worst you. case, absolute worst case, our listeners have a whole bunch of names to go to the library or the bookstore with. So um, and and to me, that's like that's best case. So yes, <laughs> great. <laughs> All right, we'll do it. Plan, plan on a part two, and we'll in the meantime we'll busily be reading. So thank you. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. 
Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. shopify.com slash work.